1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: Andy's out goofing off having fun. We, we're glad for him, aren't we?
1: Over the moon. You know, I, People I can't... People get to have fun that aren't me. <laughs> what a joy.
2: I can't wait until we can no longer easily count up the number of playoff teams we've had here in Cleveland. And right now, when it comes to the Browns, we can easily count up the number of teams. This is the third team since the team returned in 1999 that is going to the playoffs. And I thought, yep, I remember when that happened. It was in 2020, Kevin Stefanski's first year, and it was in 2002, Butch Davis' the second year and i thought i wonder what more we need to know about those teams so i i just i just called up their little pro football reference page dan and did a little refreshing of my memory
1: look at you oh i i just i thought i wonder what this is and i it was actually kind of fun to look back at some of the things i didn't quite remember my favorite part of the stefanski era has been the fact that we can all sit here and go well we can bury that you know, has it happened since Bernie Kosar and we can bury that hasn't happened since Brian Sype And we can bury that. What, like that's been the best part of this whole thing. You know, the Browns were in the playoffs enough during Marty
2: Schottenheimer's run when Sam was here and everything else. I can't tell you how many times I, you, I'd have to go look it up and, and they're in, you know, a number of times in a row and everything else. I didn't dwell on that because that was that was even before the team came back. Right. But I thought these two teams are the ones we always talk about, and let's refresh our memories. So in in Stefanski's first year, they went 11 and five, and they went six and two after the bye week. So they came out of the bye and made a great kind of playoff push. It went 11 and five, and then in the wild card round, they beat the Steelers. That was the game where Kevin didn't coach because of COVID. And people wanted to fire him because he wasn't coaching that game because Alex Van Pelt was calling the plays. Remember mm-hmm. that one?
1: And oh, all too well.
2: Yeah, they also played Pittsburgh in the final regular season game and then lost to Kansas City in the divisional round. And we all remember that painful game, and they had a chance to win that game. Key guys on that team. We know these guys. Baker, and Baker was really good. He had 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions on the season, 3,500 yards. Nick Chubb played only 12 games, but he had 1,000 yards, scored 12 touchdowns. Kareem had 840 yards and six touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So that was the heyday of that combination, and they were really good together. Oh, gosh, yes. And then it was Jarvis Landry as the leading receiver, second leading receiver on that team. Two different guys, reception total and yardage. And I had to, th- when I when I looked at, and Odell was on the team.
1: I was going to say, it's not Odell. It's that's not too Odell. Easy. No. That's too
2: easy. Austin Hooper Whoa, was second in receptions. Wow, I forgot Hooper was and here. And Richard Higgins was second in yardage. I forgot he was here, too. And I thought, wow. Oh, okay. I remembered they were here, but I didn't remember they were that prominent in their role. Those are names I haven't heard in a minute. The leading tackler on that team. And this guy was part of that. Hey, who's our middle linebacker du jour who's going to lead the team in tackles? (laughs) That was the B.J. Goodson year.
1: That's right. That's right. Followed by Malcolm Smith. That's right. Super Bowl MVP, Malcolm Smith.
2: And of the seven leading tacklers on that team, only one is on the team that will play tomorrow. And that is Sione Takitaki.
1: (laughs) Unbelievable.
2: I know that's I, that that one kind of thought. I, I thought, wow, the leading tacklers from that playoff team just what in 2020? Mm-hmm. That's four years ago. Four years ago, not B, that long ago. B.J. Goodson, Malcolm Smith, Carl Joseph. I remember that one. Taki
1: Taki, Sheldon Richardson.
2: I remember people wanted to
1: bring him back for a good period of time too. Sadly, yeah, injuries injuries kind of bit him. Yeah, which is a bummer. Terrence Mitchell He's a good dude. And Andrew Sandejo. Oh, boy. I'm sure there are people who are still – I'm sure there is going to be a coverage break at some point in this game, and there will be a Browns fan that will still yell about Andrew Sandejo. (laughs) Even though it won't be his fault, he'll still get yelled at. Man, that guy caught a lot of abuse, didn't he? He was awesome with the Vikings, and he came here, and sadly he was perpetually the last uniform name that anybody saw as somebody ran into the end zone. I, that will stand out to me till the end of time. I have never seen a player take more abuse than Andrew Sandejo. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> and he, mean, wasn't, he, he wasn't, really did. He wasn't great, but the way that Browns fans made him sound, it really made it seem like Charlie Brown perpetually giving up home runs and watching the outfielders just turn around and go, oh, look, there goes the ball again. Yeah, you know. Like <laughs> – everybody made it seem like that was Andrew Sandejo. And it's like, no, he wasn't great. He just isn't also as bad as you thought he was.
2: Now, you know what team was a lot of fun to look at? The first playoff team back since 99. And I I covered this team and I spent a lot of time in the locker room and I still had to be refreshed. It was pretty, it was pretty fun. It was the fourth season after the return, 2002. And Butch Davis was in his second season. And they were good after the bye week. They made a little little playoff run, going five and two after the bye to finish nine and seven, and that got Butch Davis into the playoffs. The coaching staff on that team, Bruce Arians was the offensive coordinator.
1: Oh, it all this is like the Bruce Arians show. Everything somehow is that coming is going back going to, back to Bruce. It's perfect.
2: Yeah, Foge Fazio was the defensive coordinator on the defensive staff. Todd Bowles. Wow. He was called the nickel the nickel secondary coach, <laughs> and Chuck Pagano was the secondary coach.
1: Wow. I did not realize how loaded the staff was. It was pretty good. Holy smokes. Um,
2: that team lost to the Steelers 36-33 that in the playoff a game. game, and that was the game where Kelly Holcomb went nuts in the playoffs with 429 yards and three touchdowns.
1: I mean, it's a it was a bummer that the Browns lost, but it was a really fun back-and-forth game.
2: Now – You want something that's like, ah, this this is what we need to be aware of for tomorrow. Kelly Holcomb threw for 429 and three touchdowns, but the Browns had only 38 yards rushing. And they lost in a shootout to the Steelers. Why? Maybe, you know, not running the ball didn't help. Let's just put it that way. Inability to take time off the clock. Key guys on that team back in 2002, as we look back at the other two teams that made the playoffs since the browns returned tim couch played in mm-hmm. 14 games 18 touchdowns 18 interceptions wow yeah. william green had a pretty good year that's right 887 yards rushing and run, 6 william touchdowns run. yeah that was a great call by jimmy uh-huh and our buddy jamel white nice key part of that team jamel that's- had 470 yards rushing 63 receptions For another 450 yards. He was a good third down back. Oh, he was terrific. He was a very good third down back. if you're listening, congratulations. We thank you for your work in 2002.
1: And I'm not just saying that because he joins us. I would have said it
2: anyway. Leading receiver yardage-wise, Quincy Morgan. Q. 964 yards. I liked Q. He had seven touchdowns. Leading receiver numbers-wise, receptions, KJ, Kevin Johnson, uh, 667. he was good. Yeah, with 703 yards. Dennis Dennis Northcutt and Andre Davis also on that Andre team. Davis. Andre is a
1: wide receiver. Remember, Andre? Uh-huh. Um, Absolutely. Caught the bomb from uh, Jeff Garcia. Is that still the longest touchdown? It was for the longest time that was the longest touchdown in broads history. I know. That's not what we're talking about. Sorry.
2: Our kicker, Phil Dawson.
1: But Phil wasn't
2: necessarily automatic Phil back then. He was 22 of 28 on the season. And the punter, they went through some pretty good punters. Our buddy Dave Zastadil wasn't hmm. on that team. It was Chris Gardaki. That's right. That's but i right. it right. was fun to look back and, and take a look at those two teams. And now we have another team. And the remnants of that 2020 team are still here. You know, there are some guys. But, man, that just goes to show you how things change in the National Football League. Because it wasn't nuts. that long ago. And you know it was Baker and Case Keenum. Oh, they're both they're they're both gone. Mm-hmm. Nick and Kareem are still here, mm-hmm. but the Earnest is gone. Dontrell Hildred was on that team; he's not here. Jarvis and and Odell are gone. I mean, the wide receiver crew's completely changed. Yeah, they overhauled that whole gone. thing. Harrison Bryant and the were on that team, but so was DPJ.
1: He's gone. JoJo Natson. Oh, that's a name I've heard in a minute. Jamie Gillen was the punter, but. The only thing that stayed relatively consistent is the offensive coaching staff. Because I think the yep. only person that left off of there is Drew Petzig, who, and I'm sure there's a couple of ancillary pieces that I'm forgetting who were a part of, you know, that Cleveland coaching Bill staff. Bill
2: Callahan was on, was the offensive line. Right. But Drew Petsig heading
1: to Arizona. Right. And Chad O'Shea was still, and he's still here. Hmm? Van Pelt, of course. Yep. Stump Mitchell. I mean, and, there's a lot of guys that are still a part of that are still inside of this building. And the ownership is the same. Andrew yep. Berry is the same. Yep.
2: It's kind of fascinating to look back and see, you know, because teams that make the playoffs here become a part of our history. You know, we remember them. Sometimes we worship them. But that, that Butch Davis team back in the day, and I, I, I always wonder what would have happened if if that regime had stayed in place a little bit. I thought Butch was yeah. pretty good. And Butch was also the GM of that team. He had Pete Garcia as his right hand man, and Pete was kind of the uh, kind of the Paul DePodesta of that time, because Pete had been with Butch in Miami, and just kind of you didn't hear much from him. You didn't didn't know much about him, but he was kind of like the brains behind the throne, kind of like DePodesta is now.
1: Fascinating. It is. It's it's funny to look at those and then thinking of the similarities between them. I mean, you you're talking two teams there. You know, I I vaguely remember the 2002 team. Like it's it's very fuzzy. We'll put it that way. Well, it should be. You were a kid. Yeah. The the 2020 team I remember a lot better and that was a well, team. Well, that was it should. That was 18 years later. Where to go, Dan? <laughs> I even talk I don't know
2: honestly I, I should just set you up and just sit here and go uh-huh if there uh-huh, had been a
1: Mr. Phelps if there uh-huh. had been a
2: playoff team in between you wouldn't have remembered those either because of those college days
1: uh-huh what else Mr. Phelps <laughs> <laughs> No, it's more like this team being built around its defense the way that it is and the fact that like this team really is going to become some kind of a legend when it's all said and done it, well, it is for five quarterbacks I mean, sake. Exactly. Like we're going to talk about that Dan forever in yeah. Cleveland
2: for five I quarterbacks mean, sake. We're going to talk about it. Kids who are 12 and 13. Now are going to say, when I was a kid, do you remember they had five starting quarter? Can you name the five starting quarterbacks? <laughs> That's going to be a trivia yeah, question. Absolutely, It's a Cleveland trivia question. Absolutely. Heck, people might not even be able to
1: name them all now again. And Joe Flacco for the rest of his life, is going to be able to drink for free in Cleveland. Oh, without and, question. And that's, frankly, kind of good. If they win kinda this kinda game, good. and even if they lose, Joe Flacco is going to drink in the city for life. Absolutely. The only way that that guy doesn't have a tab picked up is if he brings his five kids with him, because that's that's pricey. Can you uh, can you
2: rejoice that the Browns are playing in a warm weather city in a controlled environment? Might you feel differently after you watch the game after the Browns game coming up on Saturday? Bad weather this weekend. National Football League playoff games. Good or bad? It's Baskin and Phelps here on the fan. We're going to talk weather and football in just a just a little bit. Jim's in Cleveland. Hey, Jim.
3: How are you, Jim? Yeah, how you doing? Um, hey, I was just thinking that the Browns were already in Houston. They're not even in Houston. And I don't understand why they didn't leave a day earlier. And I called Brown's headquarters and talked to the guy, and he said, well, they always leave the day before. I'm like, yeah, but this is a bad weather thing. Why would they, I don't understand why they didn't go down earlier, a day earlier. It doesn't make any sense.
2: Why would they go earlier?
3: So that they could get out of the weather, familiarize themselves with the area, get in the stadium, and do their final walkthrough, like they did today, down there. And now they're out of this BS up here.
2: They're used to it up here, Jim. They practice indoors yeah, but they're, too.
3: Yeah, but they're but yeah, but they're playing up here. They're playing down there,
2: like they did three weeks ago.
3: Okay. All right. I think it's a, I think it's a little bit more important game, but you know, hey, see what happens. I'm just saying. I would have left a day earlier, gotten familiar with the area, instead of going with uh, you know leaving to, you know I don't know this afternoon, this evening, in a snowstorm. But whatever.
2: All right. Okay. Thank you, Jim they're they're creatures of habit and you leave the day before a game that that's the way it works they i mean jim they're such creatures of habit i mean everything happens boom
1: boom 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 and there it goes on my list of things if this were to head south on monday when the browns flew out of cleveland is like 80 out of 100 90 out of 100 like I don't think that's going to be the thing that does them in if they ran if they would have looked at the weather report and you know that this team and you know that the airport and all that has the top tier using the you know whatever the the National Weather Service that's what I was trying to think of has the best of the best information right at their hands at all times to figure out when they wanted to leave was probably determined that the weather that was coming through here today may not be at the nasty level when they're taking off. That it will be two hours before, three hours. And
2: before. can I, I just double check the forecast. Mm-hmm. There's no snow in the forecast.
1: Yeah, and I think he means so. traveling across that band that's going across the country okay. that's going to hit Kansas City again. I am 90 – I will go out on a limb and say that they have the best of the best weather information that is out there to make sure that they get down to Houston in time.
2: They'll they'll make it. It'll I'm, be fine.
1: Right. On my list of concerns and on my list of reasons, if the Browns were to come up short, this one doesn't even register.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. And they'll do everything they need to do, Jim, practice-wise here. Don't worry about it. They'll get their tomahawk stakes. They're used to it. And they don't have to play in the conditions that the – Chiefs and Dolphins are going to have to play in tomorrow night, and they won't have to play in the conditions that the Steelers and Bills might have to play in in Buffalo, with all that snow, if that actually happens. And though you know Pittsburgh and Buffalo are cold weather cities, and Kansas City is a cold city in the winter time, right? Um, nobody likes to play in that stuff, and I, I just I, I don't think playoff games should be neutral site. No, but no way. But man, I've, I've just, you know, I, I grew up in, in Northeast Ohio. I lived in Texas for five years. You don't, you don't deal with weather down there. You deal with hurricanes. You deal with a lot of rain, at least where I was in Texas, Mm -hmm. but you don't deal you know with snow and you don't deal with too much cold at all, but I moved home. So, you know, don't, it's not that I, not that I despise the cold weather in the winter because I I moved back and I've chosen to live here my adult life. Man, I don't like football in those conditions. See, I hate what it does to the game, because I think the game is such a a beautifully played game when it's on a clean track. And I I hate to see it in crappy conditions. I just hate it.
1: I am so torn on this, because I am with you. I like the idea of having... You're a Mr. Packer fan, though. Well, right. I'm with you on a chunk of this, where it's like, I I like having the best of the best in the perfect conditions that we could possibly make. We now have the technology to have as close to perfect football conditions as humanly possible anywhere in the country. We have that ability... At any time. At any time. We have that ability. We have that technology all over the place, even down to the fact that we can grow natural grass and roll it outside to get sun and roll it back in so that you can play on natural grass. We have this ability, Okay. But then I close my eyes and I see Brett Favre dropping back and hitting Donald Driver on slant routes as there's, you know, a bunch of snow. And I see a lot of these games where at the break, you know, they're having to throw to commercials and you're seeing a bunch of volunteers come out with shovels and shovel off the yard lines. And you see all of these things and you're like, this is cool. Like there's something about it that's just playoff December, January football that you're just like, okay, this is something that is different from every other sport that we play, that it can take place in all of the elements, and the elements become that neutralizer. And there's another part of me in my head that's like, Kansas City's going to play in negative 15 weather, and it's going to be cold as all get out, and no one's going to enjoy this. And there's another part of me that looks at it and goes, all these people who are sitting here, paying money to watch this game, are going to freeze their butts off just so that they could be there. And, like, part of me is like, yeah, that's cool. And another part of me is like, why? Why do you want frostbite? Like, why do you want to not be able to feel your toes? Why do you want to huddle in the bathroom so that you can feel your finger again? Like, why do you want to huddle in the bathroom so that you can feel your fingers again? Like, why Why is this? I'm so torn on this entire ordeal.
2: The Steelers-Bills game, cold, but wind gusts expected near 50 miles an hour.
1: right. Like that's not fun. That, it's not enjoyable. But, but
2: what is there an alternative? You know, and there was there's been some rumbling that they would move that game here to Cleveland, the Steeler Bill game, because of because of the conditions in Buffalo. Well, it's still going to be frigid here. Cold. It's not going to be like it's going to be next week. You know that that weather that's in Kansas City and is going to hit Chicago. I think Sunday. We'll be here by Monday's apparently the word, and we're supposed to have really cold temperatures.
1: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone
2: 15s? It's better over
1: here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/recommend today. all mm-hmm. week. And like I for every game that I look at and go, "Why are we doing this?" I could close my eyes and I could see Josh Allen whipping passes. You know, and and you could see and I and I know he's he's one of the memories that comes with this, folks, and I apologize it's not trying to be a jerk or anything like that. I could see John Elway hitting passes in the snow.
2: Like, yeah, okay, that's all, that's all great, because you're looking at NFL films.
1: Right, and it's this beautiful glory that comes with it, right. and John Facenda's voice on top of it going, in the Be- snow. Because you weren't
2: there at the time. The
1: frozen Freezing your you know off. Of Accuweather calling
2: for more than seven inches of snow at Highmark Stadium in Buffalo on Sunday.
1: Jerry Kramer looking at okay, the Cowboys great, great. offensive line, Here's Bart Starr. they can't stop sweep left. Right. <laughs> like, there's that...
2: Bart that, lost seven toes. That's
1: right, not true. No, no, it's it's not true. But I mean, he froze his rear end off, and like and everybody did, and it was miserable. And you know, I, know what? It I, is more
2: than anything. I'm to so be torn
1: on it, Jeff. Well, I really am.
2: The thing about it for me, more than anything, is the way the game is played. Again, I I think you know football is such a game of 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 speed and. Showing off your physical talents and that gets completely taken away. And I honestly, a team that might not be, you know, let's say a team that didn't make the playoffs but was built to kind of grind it out would have a much better chance against than than a team that might be built, you know, as a high flying team. Right. You know, I I think of the you know Eric Coriel days with with the Chargers with with Fouts and you know and Kellen Senior and mm -hmm. Chuck Muncie. That team, that team was so. Great to watch, but cold weather just negates so much of that.
1: Exactly. And I'm the guy till the end that agrees with both you and Andy. Bulldoze it and build the dome. Like every time we have another nasty game, I'm like, Bulldoze it, build the dome. Like, this is ridiculous. Why are we doing this? And Christmas then Eve on 15, a game.
2: 15 years later, you like looking
1: at the, the, the film. Right. The Chris, you know, that Christmas Eve game against the Saints that was attended by dozens who I'm pretty sure there are a chunk of them on top of it who are like, you know, I still don't have feeling in my thumb if I poke right here under the knuckle. Like, there, <laughs> there's there's so much of that on top of it that I'm like, forget it, bulldoze it, build the dome. Like, if if Lambo were to ever have cracks in it and they couldn't fix it or anything like that, I would yeah. probably be like, yeah, bulldoze it, build the dome. Like, I, I'd probably end up saying that kind of thing and it would bum me out as I said it, but it's the smart way to do this and it's just because we now have the technology to do it and we now have the ability and it's again it's not like we're we're going outside in berea and we're holding tryouts where we've got people coming from east lake and willoughby and middleburg heights and ashtabula and in youngstown and all that stuff to come play football because we're you know built for the elements up here in the north no it's your wide receiver went to alabama Your quarterback went to Clemson. He's from Georgia. Your running back is from Georgia. Like, it's not like we're getting guys from around the area that have played in this and know how to play through that advantage.
2: Would you go to the Steelers-Bills game? No. On Sunday? No. If it were moved to Cleveland and it was 20 degrees here and they needed fannies in the seats or something, I would still think between Buffalo and Pittsburgh, boy, they'd they'd still fill up our stadium. But would you go?
3: No. No.
1: I get a six-pack and a blanket, and I get my own bathroom. <laughs> why am I leaving that? The, the NFL has built their product for me to watch it on television. They sure have. They have built their product with the television being numero uno. The fans in the seats are secondary to who is sitting at home and watching it. And that's, that's to me, that's absolute fact. Why why am I going to get away from that? Especially on top of the fact that well, I think Fox is going to do a chunk of these in 4K. So now it's even going to be clearer. Why am I leaving why do? Why even bother? I could if do I want to be around a bunch of Browns fans? As I watch it. I'll call my buddies. Hey, come on down. I got a big TV. Bring more beer. We'll have some nachos. It'll be great. Like why would I do that? Because I'll pay less for the twenty four pack of beer and the, and whatever nachos and chicken wings I can even order from a restaurant that I wouldn't even going down to the ball to the stadium and I get my own bathroom. And it's warm. You have a bathroom in your house? Yeah, I know. It's shocking. I don't have to go outside to use it either. I don't have to walk up a flight of stairs, through a concourse, bump into six people, and stand next to some guy to use it. Like, this is great.
2: Well, why leave? We have things to talk with Chad Brown about. Chad played linebacker in the National Football League. He's from Colorado. Played at Colorado, so he knows all about bad football or bad weather. I know about bad football, too. Um, Played for the Steelers, then went to Seattle. Played with Pete Carroll, who just got kicked to a different job. Then went to New England. Played with the Steelers, played with the Steelers in between, being with the Patriots. So that means he played for Bill Belichick, who just got kicked to a new job, maybe. So Chad's coming up next. Can't wait to talk to him about the weather, about Pete Carroll, about Bill on Baskin and Phelps. Menigan's in for Andy. Welcome back to Basket of Phelps. I'm Jeff Phelps, my partner today, Dan Menigan, in for Andy Baskin. We're really happy to have our next guest back with us, Chad Brown, former NFL linebacker. He played with Seattle, he played with Pittsburgh, he played with New England. He covers the Broncos for Nine News in Denver, went to the University of Colorado, co host of Kill You with the Truth, a podcast about Colorado sports, and an ESPN radio host. And, again, he joins us on the North Homestead Chrysler
0: Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Chad, good to have you back. How are you, Chad? I am fantastic, fellas. Uh, how are you guys doing on a uh, a football Friday with uh, maybe one of the best football weekends of the year coming up?
2: I think it is. Uh, we get the first That's game great, to kick it off, and we want your thoughts on the Browns and the Texans in a minute. We were just talking about weather, Chad, and the forecast for Kansas City sounds brutal. Temperatures... At zero or below zero, wind chill certainly below zero. And then in Buffalo this weekend uh, on Sunday, up to seven inches of snow, wind gusts of 50 miles an hour, uh, at least in the forecast. You, you went to the University of Colorado. You played in crummy weather. You played in Pittsburgh. You played for New England. Seattle's no picnic weather-wise. Do you like games in really bad weather? Is it okay for the players? Does it Does it take away from the game too much, Chad? I'd love to know what your it, thoughts are.
0: The, the weather is, is, is a tough thing to, to overcome. So while you can try to be like Bill Cower told me, Chad, cold is a state of mind. And I told him, Coach, my mind is telling me I'm cold. <laughs> I'm from Southern California. You know, I know I play football in Colorado, but I'm a SoCal guy. So the coldest game I played in in Southern California, we played in the, in the uh, mid-30s once in a championship game, but never things like I experienced in New England and Pittsburgh, and even some of those really cold, rainy Seattle games were down into the 30s and 20s. Um, The the weather games, in some ways, kind of cancel out the schemes and the X's and O's, and the game gets determined by which team is best able to handle the weather the best. Um, So for this Chiefs and Dolphins game, I can't think of a team worse equipped, to play in that weather than the Miami Dolphins. I, 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 how does Mike McDaniels prepare his team for that? Do they, they go practice in an ice rink? Is there even one in Florida where they can do that? How do they get themselves prepared for that? And it, it slows you down as an athlete. Your footing's not as good. Your hands don't work as good. Your feet, your knees, your ankles, they don't bend as well in that kind of weather. So you've got to be able to modify not just you know, your handling on the football, But the things that you do as an athlete on the field have to change. So for the the Chiefs versus the Dolphins, obviously the Chiefs are prepared for this. They play in Kansas City. They've had home playoff games for years and years and years there. They've played in cold weather games. They'll be far more prepared for this mentally and physically than the Miami Dolphins ever could be. And just the the Dolphins' style of offense, uh, so much based on speed, well, weather has a way of kind of reducing that factor because the things are just listed. You as an athlete don't move as well. But also the field conditions change. The field's far harder, far slipperier. It can get almost frozen, and you can feel like you're cap dancing on that field. So uh, the weather being a factor, I think the Chiefs are a more experienced team, obviously, in the playoffs than the Dolphins are, but the weather being a factor almost makes that almost almost completely one-sided going towards the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: All right, Chad, we got a playoff game here in Cleveland that'll be down in the Dome in Houston, so don't have to worry about weather or any of that stuff here. From the outside looking in, how improbable is this Browns team to be in the position that it is?
0: It's, it's been amazing to take a, a 30-year-old Joe Flacco and go uh, on a winning streak to, to end the season um, for this now to be the fourth quarterback under center for the Cleveland Browns. You've you got to give a tip of the cap to the, the coaching staff, the players in that locker room, to still keep chopping wood despite the ever-changing uh, guy under center for them. And when you think about the quarterback, we always say it's the most important position of all of the sports. For your team to be in the playoffs after having four different guys under center and now with the fourth guy did a, a, a bit of a high streak here, uh, it's an amazing thing to watch, and I have such an appreciation for that because I know how difficult that is just from a culture and a morale perspective within in the locker room. I've been on teams where the backup quarterback is forced to play the rest of the season, and everyone's just like, oh, man, we got no shot now. So for Cleveland to be on their fourth quarterback and be where they are I think speaks to the amazing job that they've done there, keeping that confidence going in that locker room.
2: Chad, when the Browns played the Texans in Week 16, they had 30 carries for 54 yards. It was under two yards a carry. Flacco threw the ball like crazy, though, and Amari Cooper had 265 yards receiving. Would you think the Browns have to run the ball, at least decently, to win that football game, or can Flacco and Amari and David Njoku – light it up through the air, and win that game?
0: I mean, obviously, D'Amico Lyons is going to try to have something in place for Amari Cooper. He's not going to let him go for 250-plus uh, again. And that's, to your point, Whether I think the run game comes in. The running game doesn't have to be super successful. It just needs to be successful enough and sprinkled in enough where it forces the defense to be honest. Even if the opposing defensive coordinator does not – uh, he can continually you know, puts his base defense on the field and those kinds of things. Unfortunately, for a defensive coordinator, NFL players can still be pretty dumb. If you do a play-action fake, you act like you're going to run the ball as a linebacker. I've been taught since I was six years old, I see that run play, I've got to take a step forward. And then that's where the play-action pass opportunity opens up behind those linebackers and in front of those safeties. So the Cleveland Browns to think they can go back and throw the ball 50-plus times a game and not force the Houston Texans defense to be honest and respect the run game. I think that's a fool's errand. You've got to sprinkle it in. You've got to keep the linebackers aware that the run could be a possibility. Otherwise, you're just going to get back into their zones and make life difficult for you, force those guys to step forward, and then get that opportunity for that space behind them with play-action pass.
1: Chad Brown joining us, former NFL linebacker, played for a, a couple different teams: Pittsburgh, Seattle, a little bit for New England as well. Now doing work in Denver at Nine News, hosting a pod. You can hear him Compass Media Networks doing college football games a little bit on a Pac-12 Network as well. So, You're busy, Chad. Yeah, guy who doesn't sleep very often for darn sure. <laughs> um, so, Chad, this is this is going to be really in the weeds and nerdy, but you brought up the play action game, and the one thing that's really shown up is the fact that Joe Flacco can sell that play action like a champ. You know, really get those linebackers moving. When On the defensive side of the ball, when you get a quarterback like a Flacco who's really worked to sell that play action, how much does it really mess with the defense?
0: It really messes with the defense. Again, as a linebacker, it's almost instinctual. When you see that run action, everything in your previous football training tells you to step forward. You've got to step forward to be able to take on that offensive guard. You've got to be able to step forward to get into that center guard gap to make sure you're if you've got a gap responsibility, I'm where I'm supposed to be. So it's essentially a way, particularly the way that Joe Flacco sells it, to get those linebackers, to get them into a spot to start the play, and then they've got to scramble and then get back to their pass drop area. And as I pointed out, that creates gaps in defenses. That creates some vertical gaps and some horizontal gaps. So if you can continue to do that with Joe Flacco and have him sell that, Uh, the best quarterbacks really sell that play-action fake. They stick that ball in the running back's uh, belly in a very demonstrative way, Um, and you as a linebacker, that becomes that eye candy that takes you out of your normal spot that you would like to be, and it makes you further away from your responsibility where you need to get back to once it becomes a pass play. Uh, That is a a tremendous stressor upon a defense, particularly that second level whether we're talking about linebackers down the box or that strong safety who comes down in the box.
2: Chad, you spent a lot of time in Seattle before Pete Carroll arrived there as head coach, playing for other coaches, Dennis Erickson and Holmgren and, and Mora. But I'm sure you know your buddies talked to you about Pete Carroll. You experienced Bill Belichick, and here are two of the legends in coaching out this week in the NFL. And Pete getting kicked to a different job, and Bill maybe going to a different job. But what did you think when you heard about both of the – The guys in their 70s moving on
0: well uh while i didn't play for pete in seattle i ended up doing a coaching internship in seattle with pete so i got a chance to spend about seven weeks with pete and it was an amazing amazing experience one of the most positive people i've ever been around one of the most high energy people i've ever been around the Pete that you see at press conferences chomping on the gum and stumbling over his words because he's so excited that's exactly who Pete is. He is authentically that guy. Um, And uh, he made the most pleasurable working environment I had ever been in. Training camp is a grind for everybody, whether you're a player or a coach, in my case, an an interim coach. And, you know, to wake up at at five o'clock every morning and, and try to be at the facility by 545, I actually woke up happy because I knew we were going to have a ton of fun. It was going to be, a great day. It was going to be a fun day. There was going to be something, you know, that was going to make me belly laugh because Pete was, he's all about that culture of fun and passion and energy for the game. So the basketball hoop in the team meeting and, uh, you know, going back and looking at guys in the rooms, players in the rooms, their record. So if you went to Ohio state and you played against Michigan and there was another missing guy in the room, well there was a chance that Pete was going to call you guys up, and have a free throw shooting contest in the middle of the team meeting. So those kinds of things just made every day fun. I had never been to a place like that where a free throw contest could determine, you know, what direction practice was going to go. Because people not only play it out for, hey, Michigan, Ohio State, this guy beat you two times, you only beat him once, here's your chance to get revenge. But then he would hinge something in practice. We will we cut off conditioning in practice if Michigan finds a way to win this one. So those kind of competitive scenarios where he's honing your competitive juices while at the same time making it a very fun, passion, energy-filled environment, uh, he was absolutely the best at creating that kind of culture. And the fans for the Seahawks and the Seahawks organization is going to have to get used to whoever comes in next because there's no way they're going to be able to replicate what Pete Carroll brought every day.
1: All right, Chad, you also played for Bill Belichick, who I don't totally know would go the same direction as Pete Carroll with those things, but definitely had his own way of doing it. What's your fondest memory with Bill Belichick?
0: Man, um, okay, so when I got to the Patriots, I was in year 13 of my NFL career. So I played previous 12 years with, with Pittsburgh and in Seattle. I learned more about winning football in that 13th year, the small little nuances and details than I learned in my previous 12 years combined. So to your point, a completely different atmosphere than what Pete Carroll was doing up in Seattle. And, you know, just goes to show there's more than one way to, to win a championship. Um, there's more than one way to sack a quarterback. So uh, I, I was trying to pick up and learn from everybody. But for Bill, the amount of detailed teaching was so intricate. Um, so when we watch a football game this weekend, at some point we're going to see the defense – call a timeout at the last second. And the broadcasters are going to say, oh, my gosh, the Cleveland Browns didn't like what they saw from Houston Texans' offense, and they had to call a timeout. Well, in New England, Bill would take advantage of that moment. He called it what he called a Kodak moment. So in a critical situation in the ballgame, end of the half, fourth quarter, some critical third down or fourth down situation, we're going to let the offense break the huddle. We're going to allow them to – Line up. We're going to allow the quarterback to begin his cadence. We're going to allow the receiver to do his motion. And then we're going to call a last second timeout. Not because we don't know what to do, because we want to get a snapshot. We want to get a picture of what you want to run offensively. Now we've seen the personnel on the field. We've seen the alignment that you want to be in. We've seen the motion. We've heard the quarterback's cadence. And because Bill and his staff have studied so much chances are, for that critical moment in the ball game you as the opposing offense, you don't have 10 plays for that situation on your play sheet. You've only got one or two, so we've probably gotten a look at your favorite play for that situation. So you're going to run that play that we just saw? Now we're ready for it. Or now you've got to go to your second or your third best play. So simply by the proper use of a timeout, knowing how and when to use that timeout, he was able to rob teams of their favorite play for that situation. And that particular Kodak moment, I was the third string inside linebacker that year. I played outside to finish the season, but I was a third string inside linebacker. I think it was week four or five of the season. He's like, Chad, we haven't rehearsed you with the Kodak moment. So then during practice, Teddy Bruschi would come out. I would go in, and my job was to call that last second timeout so they could get the Kodak moment. So even making sure the third string inside linebacker was prepared run the Kodak moment, that's how detailed they were in New England.
2: Jeez. That's
0: awesome. That's fantastic.
2: The Kodak moment. I love it, Chad. Who wins? Browns, Texans. What do you think?
0: Uh, you know, uh, I think the, the, the Browns uh, are, are just a, a, a better team. The way their defense is playing, you know, C.J. Stroud has been off the charts as a rookie, but the Browns defense, which is second in the league in pressure percentage, almost 45%, six in the league in sacks with almost 50 sacks, I think they are able to affect C.J. Stroud, put some pressure on him, uh, and that ends up being probably the difference in the ballgame. I think the Browns offense and Joe Flacco will play well, but that Browns defense affecting the young quarterback is going to be significant.
2: Appreciate you being with us, buddy. Thank you, Chad.
1: Thanks, Chad. All right, thanks. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection
0: charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.